Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now your hosts, Bela Sebro. She's the nice one. And Alan Skorsky. Uh, he's not so nice. But together they are the definitive rap. I'm Alan Skorsky with my co-host Bela Sebrow, and welcome to the definitive rap, where we discuss the news items the mainstream media just won't touch. The definitive rap is proud to be the official podcast of vinnews.com. Over the last few weeks, the radicals in Congress have tried to pass a $3.5 trillion bill, which would devastate the U.S. economy. And at the same time, a number of these progressive extremists attempted to block Iron Dome funding for Israel to replenish their supplies after the 4,000-plus rockets their friends in Gaza fired into Israel this past May. As if the squad and the PLOPA supporters in Congress weren't enough of a concern for Jews and supporters of Israel, there is a new group of two-state solution advocates being spearheaded by Michigan Congressman Andy Levin, a Jewish Democrat who said that his friendship with Rashida Tlaib gives him hope that there can be a peaceful two-state solution. Today's very special guest is attorney Liz Burney, who is the National Director of Research and Special Projects for the ZOA, whom Bela will introduce shortly. The ZOA is at the forefront of fighting for Israel and against anti-Semitism without apology and without exceptions. For years, the ZOA has also been targeted by left-wing Jewish groups because of their unequivocal support for Israel. The ZOA recently issued a press release calling for the removal of Jew haters from congressional committees, naming AOC, uh, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Benny McCollum, and others who endangered Jewish and Arab lives twice this week. We will talk about these and other related issues with Liz Burney following Bela's introduction. Bela? Thank you, Alan. The ZOA, Zionist Organization of America, is the first official Zionist organization in the United States that was founded in 1897. The name ZOA has always been the organization that people will call on and seek guidance from when an anti-Semitic act directly or indirectly takes place. It is the organization wherein people will say, what does the ZOA say about this? Or what will the ZOA do about this? And it is an organization that I've always personally admired and respected for staying true to its mission and cause from its very inception. They don't just sit still when something is not right. They get out there and they don't just talk about the problem. The ZOA fixes the problem and they have fixed many as it relates to combating anti-Semitism. If our audience thinks that we are living comfortably and that we have nothing to worry about and that things could never get that bad in the United States, sadly, that is not the case. There is much concern and we will be addressing some of them today with regard to how the ZOA is responding in effort and action. We have with us today Elizabeth A. Bernie, Esquire. Liz is a graduate of Cornell University and the University of Chicago Law School. Elizabeth, Liz, as she likes to be called, is an attorney and the National Director of Research and Special Projects and co-counsel for the Zionist Organization of America. 
the oldest pro-Israel organization in the United States. Liz assists ZOA's defense of Israel and the Jewish people, including by writing U.S. Supreme Court Friend of the Court briefs, co-authoring op-eds, and representing ZOA in media appearances, synagogue speeches, panels, and debates. Liz also represents ZOA at the World Zionist Congress, the Zionist General Council, the Karen Kayyem at Israel JNF Board, and the European Conference on Countering Anti-Semitism. Prior to joining ZOA, Liz worked at Manhattan law firms on diverse matters, including consumer safety, corporate fraud, and international legal cases involving foreign governments. Liz helped negotiate the Swiss Bank's Holocaust Assets Case Settlement and formulated legal theories for the German Bank's Holocaust Assets Case. One of the big issues and threatening the security of Israel is a recent House Democrats announcement that they will defund Israel's Iron Dome system. For our audience's benefit, to understand what this is and the danger, the Iron Dome was designed in the world to cope with rockets shot into Israel by Palestinian militants in Gaza and Hezbollah in Lebanon. It has saved many Israelis from serious injury and death. Liz, welcome to our show. My first question is, I understand that the U.S. Congress consists of Jew haters, but isn't the United States a human rights loving democracy? Not only that, but has it really come to the point that the Jew haters are so blatant in their actions? And with regard to the Iron Dome, does integrity take over hatred? Well, you know, I, I think that the uh, Jew haters are basically the squad, you know, and we all know who's on that, you know, AOC and uh, uh, Rashida Tlaib. Uh, it's, uh, you know, this uh, Betty McCollum, you know, there's a, there's a small, Ilan Omar, Omar, of course, um, you know, there's, there's a small group of them, um, but unfortunately has been expanding um, that are, you know, the, the, the major source of the problem here. Um, you know, I did want to mention, uh, you, meant, you mentioned rockets fired from, uh, you know, by Hamas and Gaza and from, by uh, Hezbollah from Lebanon, but we also now have a third front uh, in the rocket fire on Israel, which is uh, Iran's uh, Iranian rockets coming from Syria. Um, you know, they, they haven't uh, been, you know, there haven't been as many as, you know, the 4,369 rockets that came uh, from Hamas in the space of, uh, and, and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which also works, uh, is also shooting rockets into uh, Israel from uh, Gaza, uh, which you know, came during the space of just 10 days in uh, May. Uh, and there have been some rockets since then uh, fired from Gaza uh, after the, uh, the so-called ceasefire, um, which you know, Hamas and, and PIJ never abide by. But, you know, you also have the problem now with Iran, you know, uh, shooting some rockets into Israel and into the Golan Heights, the Israeli portion of the Golan Heights. Um, so this is three fronts that you have to deal with um, where, where you really need to have uh, Iron Dome. An Iron Dome, of course, uh, you know, when, when a rocket is fired at Israel and it looks like it's heading for a civilian area rather than an open field, uh, Iron Dome will track the rocket and explode the rocket uh, in the air so that it doesn't do any harm. Uh, it's purely a defensive weapon. And as uh, the head of ZOA, Moore Klein, said when he appeared on Newsmax to discuss this recently, anybody who opposed this really just wants more Jews to die. 
um, it's a, it, this is a totally defensive weapon. And it, you know, unfortunately, some, you know, some of the rockets actually make it through uh, Iron Dome. One of the things that Hamas did was that it would fire in, in this period in May, it was firing salvos of 50 rockets at a time to, to overwhelm the Iron Dome system. So, uh, and, and some of the rockets made it through. In fact, 12 Israelis were killed over, I believe it's over 350 were injured. Billions of dollars of damage were done, was done to uh, Israeli, Israeli properties and buildings and synagogues and schools. Um, and that's just from, from the 10% of the rockets that made it through Iron Dome when uh, Hamas tried to overwhelm the system. Um, and you know, this needs to be replenished. Um, it's very disappointing that uh, the uh, and what happened. You know, that, you know, to, to give your readers, a, your, your listeners, a fuller explanation, was that the squad uh, insisted that uh, the small amount of funding to replenish Iron Dome must be taken out of a larger bill, and the uh, Democratic leadership ended up caving into them. But then. Uh, they agreed to uh, pass this on uh, pass a standalone bill so that Iron Dome would be replenished, um, and that received bipartisan support except for the squad. And uh, now it's in the Senate, and hopefully will hopefully will pass there. Right. You know, Liz. One of the things that concerns me is that Jewish activists are always like almost like using like a fallback like our the response was but it's a defensive weapon as if israel has to justify why it needs iron dome to these people as if being a defensive weapon was something that was going to get the squad to change their mind the u.s has an alliance with israel israel has alliances with some of its neighbors and now with the abraham accords so for me it's more of like why do we even have to explain ourselves? Why do supporters of Israel have to say, well, we understand why you don't want money going to Israel, but this is defensive. If this was an offensive weapon, then maybe we'd have you know, reason to have a conversation. The U.S. already has a memorandum of understanding with Israel. Uh, the U.S. provides Israel with all kinds of armaments. And to me, the concern is, is that when we have to start explaining ourselves to these people, we're almost allowing them to guide the narrative like this time it's a defensive weapon but if it ever becomes an offensive weapon then we can revisit this i don't know what your thoughts are on that i think you know the fact that this is a defensive weapon um doesn't mean that we we don't we don't support everything else i mean you have to take the offense when people are firing rockets at you also and and, and digging t- terror tunnels to try to to uh you know to to go to israeli nursery school and schools and kill or connect uh, Jewish children. Uh, but uh, you also, um, I, I think the fact that this is a defensive weapon just shows how extreme the, the Jew haters are in Congress, because the only reason for not supporting this is because you want more Jews to die. Um, you know, I also, you know, you know, you also have to look at what the alternative is to Iron Dome. And also the same week that the uh, squad was opposing the Iron Dome, they also did something else. They opposed a, a, sale, a, a sale to Israel of precision kits to make Israeli missiles uh, more precise so that Israel um, is able to take out the terrorists without harming civilians. They also incredibly opposed uh, that, that weapon sale. And this has been going on since uh, prior to the Hamas rocket, uh, you know, rocket uh, 10 days of uh, 400, uh, uh, four, over 4,000 rockets. 
um, that the sale to Israel was approved a week before that uh, by the Biden administration. And ever since then, the squad has tr- been trying to oppose it, but they, you know, they submitted, I don't know, they submitted about the same, this exact same week that they opposed the defensive weapon, they suppose the precision offensive weapon, which actually saves Palestinian civilian lives. You know, and what, what is the alternative to these two things? If you can't, uh, you know, stop rockets from coming into Israel, if you can't precisely target the, the, the Hamas and the, and the PIJ terrorists, then what's your choice? You have to have, you'll, you'll have much more bloodshed. You know, are you going to car- have to carpet bomb uh, Gaza? Are you going to have to have a full scale war, ground war in Gaza? So, so by opposing, uh, you know, the types of the, the weapon sale of the precision guidance kits and the Iron Dome, uh, the squad is leading to more deaths of everybody, including Palestinian civilians. Liz, the ZOA uh, recently praised former Secretary of State Michael Pompeo for his not just opposition of moving the Palestinian consulate to Jerusalem and that it's wrong, but that it's illegal. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about why it's illegal? Uh, sure. Um, a couple of things. Uh, one is that you had the Jerusalem Embassy Act of 1995, which says that you know Jerusalem is Israel's capital and a unified city. And when you put a consulate in Jerusalem that that is that just deals with the uh, the, the Palestinians, uh, Palestinian Arabs, and effectively is is going to have diplomatic relations uh, with the Palestinian Authority. You're undermining the unity of Jerusalem, which is uh, ensconced in U.S. law. Um, that's one way in which it is, is illegal. In addition, the Oslo Accords, which the, Palestine, the PLO Palestinian Authority signed with Israel, and which the United States had some hand in, uh, prohibit the Palestinian Authority from carrying on uh, the, the Palestinian Authority for carrying on diplomatic relations. Um, with any foreign country, um, they're they're not a foreign foreign government. They're just an authority. And having this, uh, you know, have, having a consulate that's that's that deals with them uh, can be used to violate the Oslo Accords by, in effect, carrying on, out diplomatic relations with this non you know with this non state entity. Um, so that that there, those are two ways in which it violates uh, U.S. law and violates you know, the Israeli and Israeli uh, uh, PLO Palestinian Authority agreements. And uh, you know, several people have spoken about this. Ambassador David Freeman also wrote an article about this, about why this is illegal. And you know, and the Secretary of State, former Secretary of State Pompeo, just came out and, and discusses this week. And you know, we're very happy that he is you know, he's doing that and taking these you know, right, pull and, and courageous stands and, and pointing out the illegality of this. Um, we've written a number of pieces about this issue. We're very concerned that the Biden, uh, President Biden uh, stated that, oh, yes, we're going to have the consulate there because um, we, we've made a commitment to the Palestinian Authority to, to reopen the consulate. And the, um, you know, the Biden administration can't do this. This is another legality, legal issue, uh, the host country has to approve of any uh, diplomatic facility. So Israel has the absolute right to say, no, we don't want this there. And when the Biden administration and President Biden say, oh, well, we made this commitment, um, they they cannot legally make this commitment. 
the commitment has to come from, the agreement has to come from Israel. So there are a lot of things that are being done to try to force uh, this consulate to um, be reopened uh, that are completely unlawful. And it's also unnecessary now that we have the embassy in, in uh, it's discriminatory against Israel. There are a lot of other problems with it, with, with such a consulate. Um, when you have, uh, there, there's no other country in the world where we have um, a consulate in the same city where we already have an embassy. You know, now that President Trump moved the embassy to Jerusalem, it's absolutely unnecessary, a waste of taxpayer dollars. Um, and one of the strange things about this consulate is that in, uh, in other nations where we have consulates, let's say we have, we have the embassy in the capital city of the country and we have consulates in some of the other major city, cities in the country, um, the, everything goes through the embassy, you know, the, and then the embassy reports to the U.S. State Department. But here they have this very unusual arrangement where they want the consulate to support, to uh, report directly to the State Department and not even be under the control of the embassy. Um, and in the Trump administration, they, they opened up a special unit in the embassy to deal with Pal- a Palestinian affairs unit, um, which is what you need, you need, and, and that goes, you know, it's in, the uh, ambassador to Israel is in charge of that. It, it's not like this entirely separate entity that undermines Israel's sovereignty and undermines Israel, uh, the unification, the unity of Jerusalem. Now, Liz, uh, recently the ZOA put out a paper um, analyzing the nomination of Thomas Nides to be the uh, next U.S. ambassador to Israel, and they felt like, you know, his pros and his cons. So his pros are, you know, they're, they're typical, you know, now just here's an example. And this is like kind of what frustrates me. And this is what I'd like to know. How does the ZOA respond? Like you put out a paper. Is there follow up? Let me give you an example. Um, point number eight, you have acknowledging that Jerusalem is Israel's capital. Well, if that's the case, then they're opening a consulate is a direct contradiction of that. So, and again, there are others we can bring up, but let's say in situations like that, does the ZOA follow up with the administration? Um, do you have your, your representatives down there and say, wait a second, you said A, but you also said B, and B contradicts A. How does that work? Well, how does that work? We have a government relations department uh, in Washington and, and they follow up, uh, you know, you know, at this point, you know, a lot of the follow-up is more with uh, people, you know, friends in the Senate and, and, and Congress. Um, and, uh, you know, we pointed out exactly what, what you're speaking about. That on the one hand, he acknowledged that, uh, you know, that uh, Israel is, that Jerusalem is Israel's capital, but the other, and on the other hand, he undermined uh, Israel's unity. And we actually, in, in our analysis of, of uh, the hearing, uh, we mentioned that uh, Tom, Thomas Nides is undermining Israel's unified capital, Jerusalem, by promoting the opening of a Palestinian Arab uh, consulate in Jerusalem. Um, and, uh, you know, we, quote, we quoted uh, David Freeman's piece uh, where he explained, uh, you know, I'll, I'll read that, that uh, a Palestinian consulate that engages in di- diplom- uh, diplomacy with the, oh no, he's a Jerusalem that engages in diplomacy with the Palestinians run of, runs afoul of the Jerusalem Embassy Act of 1995. Jerusalem remain an undivided city and is Israel's capital. Such a consulate would also, you know, as we pointed out, I pointed out previously, it also violates the Oslo Accords. Um, and uh, I mean, one of the, if I can mention this, one of the other problems that we saw in uh, Thomas Knight's testimony 
was that he falsely claimed that a consulate for Palestinian Arabs, quote, has existed in one form or another for almost 130 years. And in fact, as uh, Ambassador David Freeman wrote, that is not true. The U.S. consulate in Jerusalem was established by American Christian Zionists in 1844 to facilitate the return of the Jewish people to Jerusalem. It was not to to serve Palestinian Arabs in Arab interests. So this is a complete distortion of history. You know, one of the things we obviously do is is make the facts known and 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 spread you know the, spread the truth about this. And uh, you know, and, and we speak to you know all of our friends in the government. Liz, um, actually, I was going to ask the same question as Alan did. Um, uh, but one of the things, one of the things in the analysis, one of the aspects of the analysis was that um, there were also um, positive positions uh, affecting U.S.-Israel relations and security. So before I ask the next question, um, can you tell us a little bit about the positive aspects? Oh, sure. Um, you know, he denied uh, in, in, uh, in his hearing testimony, he supported uh, you know, the, the continuation of the MOU, the $3.8 billion of security assistance to Israel under, under the MOU, um, placing no conditions on the, you know, no additional uh, conditions on security assistance to Israel. I mean, Israel's already required to spend it, you know, the money in the United States and, you know, there are a number of conditions such as that. But what, one of the problems that the, uh, the you know, the far left radicals uh uh, or you know, one, one of the one, one of the things that they're pushing for, you know, the Andy Levins and the Betty McCollums and so on, is to uh, make all sorts of conditions like uh, you know Israel, you know, can't use you know if the United States uh, had uh, you know if, if had, had provided a weapon to Israel, you know, a defensive weapon to Israel, Israel can't use it over the Green Line. So if there is an, a massive attack, uh, Arab attack on people praying at the Western Wall, which is over the Green Line, then uh, Israel can't use any, you know, they have to figure out which weapon uh, did, did we buy elsewhere or wh- which weapon did not come from the United States. And we can only use those weapons to fend off this attack, um, which is ridiculous. Um, they also consider Gaza to be, um, you know, like in the end, 11, what's his proposed, horrible proposed legislation, which is really J Street, written by J Street. Um, he also considers Gaza to be occupied, even though every uh, single Jew and every, even the cemeteries were pulled out of Gaza in 2005. So uh, Israel can't use any any weapon uh, from the United States, uh, you know, you know, that, uh, to uh, you know stop the attacks from Gaza. Um, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. But they're trying to make the, these conditions so onerous that Israel can't defend herself. She can't defend her people from rocket attacks. She can't defend her people from ordinary ordinary uh, terrorism coming from the Palestinian Authority, that the Palestinian Authority pays people to, pays to, you know, as you know, the Palestinian Authority uh, pays terrorists approximately $350 million a year uh, to murder Jews and Americans. Um, Israel will not be able to defend against that using a, a weapon from the United States. So they're trying to put place all these conditions and make it impossible uh, to defend the Israeli people. And, you know, Nides fortunately um, said that he opposes that in, in his hearing. Um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. I mean, he also uh, uh, committed to expanding U.S.-Israeli economic relationships, uh, the U.S. waiver, trying to uh, work for Israel to join the U.S. visa waiver program, uh, supporting expansion of the Abraham Accords, which is a good thing. 
Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, unfortunately nothing has happened on, on that front yet with the Biden administration, but, you know, maybe he'll be helpful for that. Um, you know, resupplying uh, Israel's Iron Dome, which we spoke about earlier, um, and retaining the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. But of course, he's undermining that with his support for the consulate. So those are the those are the positives, right. but there are also some deeply troubling negatives. Right. So, Liz, one of the questions I have that has never been answered um, when after the Oslo Accords, which were a disaster, and I oppose and I predicted everything that was going to happen. I'm not looking for any pat on the back or Alan, good going, but we knew what, you know, anyone who understood the region understood this. George W. Bush, when he came into office, said, we'll support Oslo as long as the Palestinian Authority implements democratic institutions. Arafat failed, so he got pushed out of office. To date, not one person has explained how American national interests are served by creating a Palestinian Arab state on Israel's border. Now, here's something that's interesting. And you, you and I spoke about this, I think, last night. Joe Biden, whether he knew what he was saying or not, or someone just put it in his teleprompter, said on two occasions that Israel has to be, be a Jewish state and the uh, Palestinians, they would have to be democratic. John Kerry never called for that. And Andy Levin himself said that the, the, the purpose of a Palestinian state was for them to uh, to create their own legitimate aspirations. How has it never been put forth to anybody, any nominee or any administration, how are American interests served by creating a non-democratic state right on Israel's border? Well, obviously, American interests will, will be deep, deeply harmed by this. You'll have another failed uh, Iranian uh, vassal state. Um, uh, you'll, you'll have, you know, you'll have Hezbollah there. You'll have Hamas, te- you'll have Hamas there. You'll have Iranian arms. Um, uh, nobody will be safe, uh, in Israel because you'll have a fourth, uh, front where, you know, the lar- the largest, uh, front, uh, for shooting rockets into Israel's, uh, pop- major population centers. Um, you, you know, it, it'll, it'll just, uh, you know, increase Iranian he- hegemony over the middle, entire Middle East. Um, it, it would it'd be extremely dangerous for the United States as well as for Israel uh, to have a Palestinian Arab state. And, and you know, these are, you know, the terrorists there, again, as we previously discussed, are paid to murder Jews and, and paid to, to murder Americans. Um, I mean, what kind of state is this? Um, I also I also want to just um mention that it's not really on Israel's border. It's actually a, they're talking about creating a Palestinian Arab state on land that was designated for the Jewish state under international law, including the mandate uh, back in 1922, the uh, San Remo uh, resolution, and that's all in it. And also U.S. treaty obligations, the Anglo-American convention. These are all, uh, there there is international law that uh, makes all these areas part of the area designated for the Jewish state. So you're not talking about just placing something on Israel's border. You're talking about carving out area designated for the Jewish state to create a, a, a failed Iranian Hezbollah, Hamas, PFLP, uh, terrorist uh, uh, Palestinian state. And also, I mean, I would also mention that um, the Palestinian state uh, would interfere 
with uh, creating this coalition that President Trump was creating of moderate Arab states and is and Israel uh, to deal with Iran um, and to oppose Iran. It would it would you would have less peace in the Middle East because these agreements, let's say, between Bahrain and the UAE and Israel, um, Morocco, uh, Sudan, all could contribute to peace in the Middle East. And the Palestinian Authority and Palestinians opposed these agreements. Um, in fact, on the uh, on the Temple Mount, uh, they uh, were attacking the Palestinian Arabs were attacking visitors from the UAE and Bahrain uh, because their countries uh, entered into agree- peace agreements with Israel. Right. So this this just creates all sorts of problems. Such a state would create so many problems and really interfere with the security of the entire Middle East. Liz, last month, the California legislature passed a bill that would require all public school students to take a mandatory semester of ethnic studies. And uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom is holding this bill, and he will decide whether to sign it or not. The ZOA went to task against it. Can you tell us why this bill is a concern for California and also for other states as well? Well, a lot of these ethnic studies programs are very uh, anti-Semitic and anti-Israel. I mean, that's, you know, that's the basis of our opposition to it. Um, Some of the worst ethnic studies, one of the worst uh, iterations of this um, was uh, turned down by by the state of California, but then the uh, you know the Muslim Hamas affiliated groups that are have been pushing this still went on their own to many school districts and asked the school districts to still adopt the most extreme version of the, the ethics studies program um, and have been persuading you know persuading some of the school districts to do this. So this is, this is very dangerous. You know, it's dangerous for U.S. Jews. You know, to, to be subjected to this, it's dangerous for all of us who love Israel and, and are tired of uh, children being taught lies about uh, the democratic, peace-loving uh, state of Israel. You know, Liz, there are a few questions I want to ask. We have about uh, four minutes left. One of my biggest concerns is, is how we are being so outmaneuvered by our enemies. It seems like the, Palestine, the Free Palestine Movement they're always on offense and we are always on defense. And this California bill is a perfect example. They took the initiative and then we respond. Um, how is it? I mean, in, in your opinion, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but it seems like whether it's the ZOA or all the other good Jewish groups are always reacting and we're never taking the step to do something. Um, and I, so I don't know if you agree with that. I don't know if you uh, have an opinion about that, but like, here's a perfect example. How did we find ourselves having to defend against this, uh, this bill in, in California or even other events? Well, there's, you know, I, I won't argue with you that the, um, you know, the Hamas supported uh, Palestinian Arab groups are very creative in uh, finding ways to attack us. So, you know, by necessity, some, a lot, some of, what we have to do is defend. Uh, but we also do have our own programs, our own education programs and so on. Um, we're also at a funding disadvantage. You know, there, there's, I remember years ago seeing that uh, Hamas had, spent, you know, this is or decades ago that Hamas had spent something like 25 million on it, uh, on its programs in the United States. Um, and, you know, I, you know, it's, it's much more than the budgets of, you know, groups like ours. 
um, you know, so please join ZOA. <laughs> I can put in a pitch for that and support us. No, but I, I think we, you know, we, we do tremendous work with the resources that we have. Um, we just need more people to volunteer, get involved. And, you know, we do do whatever we can, especially in the area of education, to let people know the truth. Um, you know, every day, you know, I've, we've done webinars, you know, discussing Israel's rights and discussing many issues. You know, what we're doing today, I think, is helpful in that regard, you know, just setting the record straight about many issues. And, you know, and Alan, you were doing a great job with your podcast, you know, and I think that's a very a real proactive uh, effort you know we well we, Bela gets the credit for that because this was Bela. her idea Bela, Bela just wanted me Bela just wanted me because of my pretty face <laughs> but you know all of us you know, you know ZOA is obviously on the front lines and and right. you know edu- educating people about the truth and in a positive and proactive way as well as defending because you know you have you have to do both it, it's you know, it's a pro- the left is running. A, the, these radicals are running a real propaganda war, and we have we have to do more and continue what we're doing and expand it. Right. Bela, you have about a minute and a half left. One one last question, please. Um, what is the ZOA currently doing to remove the true haters from congressional committees? Um, we have ever since uh, some of these Jew haters. Uh, landed in Congress and started doing things like Rashida Tlaib uh, putting her uh, a sticker on her map of the world, uh, covering up uh, Israel and, and replacing it with Palestine, so-called Palestine. Um, we have been calling for their ouster uh, from their committees and talking about, you know, why that has to be done. I know the Republicans, when there were some people who were problematic, they immediately lost all their committee assignments and that we are we have continued to push for that. Um, you know, we've written about that. Our government relations department is involved in that. We think it's very important that the Democratic leadership finally needs to take some action, some real action uh, to stop this Jew hatred and say that it's unacceptable. Because we also be- we believe that this kind of Jew hatred is um, you know, coming from Congress sends a signal that has increased attacks on, on Jews throughout this country and increasing anti-Semitism throughout this country and, uh, and the world even. So um, we, we uh, you know, need to keep pushing for that. Right. So I know we've got Thank about you. 30 Thank seconds you. left, but you know, one of the things that I'll just close up with is that I almost dropped, my jaw dropped when I heard Steny Hoyer. He's a Democrat, but you know, I give him his, you know, he always helped Israel. When he said, you may disagree with Rashida Tlaib, but basically she's a good person. And when I heard him say that, I said, now we're screwed. Yeah, when you know, when when people say these sorts of things, um, yeah, we we have to combat them. You know, and there were a number of people. I mean, even like I think the ADL praised uh, Omar is fighting for justice, and you know, and when they do this, you know, we challenge them on that, and we pointed out that she's not a fighter for justice. She's exactly the opposite. She's right. a fighter for the injustice of of terrorists murdering Jews. Right. Okay, Bela, Liz. We're out of time. <laughs> Liz, thank you for joining us today on The Definitive Wrap. And most importantly, thank you for what you're doing and making such a strong difference in the lives of Jews. Thank you, thank for, you. Everything that, thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you to vinnews.com for our show being their official podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your hosts, Bela Sebro and Alan Skorsky. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can listen to The Definitive Rap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Rap.